Hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do here. Um, my guest is Chris Siekel. Now, you may recognize Chris from uh, the Primitive Pursuit uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, just if you follow him on, on Instagram or any of that kind of stuff, you, uh, you're probably familiar with him. Well, of course, I'm familiar with him, but and I, I just really didn't know that much about him. You know what I mean? And it's just I'm kind of put, trying to put out a little bit of effort to get to know some of these, um, you know, some of these people that, you know, we either follow or, 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 or listen to or, I don't know, whatever whatever's considered interacting in, in the modern, you know, social media world today. And I uh, reached out to him and I said, hey, man, you know, I, do you want to just come on and just kind of, you know, can learn a little bit more about each other and stuff? And he said, yeah, sure. So um, this, the, the, the podcast kind of took a, a, a different uh, turn and I, I really didn't have a schedule or, or like an itinerary or anything like that. Um, but if you are familiar with Chris, uh, you know that he went through a bout of um, pretty, pretty like uh, it was a rare form of cancer. Um, you know, stomach, intestinal, that kind of stuff. And we get we get pretty deep into it. And uh, I asked him originally before we recorded. I said, "Hey, do you want to talk about any of this? You don't have to if it's you know, uh, you know, a little bit close to home. Uh, if you don't want to talk about, it, that's fine. But you know, if we mention it." Oh, are you okay mentioning it? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Well, that turned into like most of the episode about him recounting all the stuff that he went through, and uh, that was just that, that. That's fine by me because uh, I was just you know half the time I was just kind of like slack jawed, like listening, going, wow. I mean, the, the stuff that you went through is just is just gosh, just terrible. Uh, him and his wife as well. He's got a young uh, young son, so it it uh, I. I I know he's recounted the story on his on primitive primitive pursuit, but I don't think I've ever heard it this in this in depth. So you know, if you're looking for a podcast uh, for this episode to be like, you know, hey, we're talking about bows, and you know, what are you running for FOC, and what kind of broadhead, and tell me about your setup. We don't do any of that. We talk a little bit about bow hunting. And uh, the, the conversation just kind of flowed into what he went through the last several years. And, uh, yeah, and he was fine talking about it, and I was fine listening to it. So it's just, uh, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Now, the one thing I want you guys to take away from this is what a positive attitude he has. Um, he, it, he seems like the kind of guy, again, we, we, the, the only time we really talked was when we were actually talking on the podcast. That was the first time we actually, like, talked kind of, you know, I don't want to say face-to-face, but... Um, you'll you'll find out that he kind of took it as it as it comes because he's you know he said look i i really don't have any other uh it's out of my control things are out of my control that you just got to roll with the punches and, and do what you can so uh there's I, i'm sure you know it, it was an incredible ordeal to go through but his positivity and his bright outlook and his just like, hey, man, we're just going to get through this one one step at a time, uh, roll with the punches kind of thing is, is pretty inspiring. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably most of the episode. So, I you know, if you want to get to know Chris a little bit better and you want to get to know, I don't know, I don't want to use the word grit, maybe, I don't know, or just determination or just positivity. Well, you know, l- listen, listen to this whole thing. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. So, 
uh, you know, cancer sucks, and we all know that you know friend friend of friend of bow hunting, friend of the, the podcast, friend of traditional. Uh, you know, Steve Angel's wife is also going through some some, some pretty severe cancer here, so it, it's kind of affecting a, a lot of people uh, close to home. So we all we discuss any of these uh, fundraisers and things that kind of come up within the community, uh, even if you don't know these people. You know, every little bit helps. Yeah, as far as uh, like GoFundMe's and that kind of stuff, medical bills, and it's not just medical bills. We get into this a little bit. It's all the travel expenses and family costs and uh, and being out of work and uh, hotel visits and and just a host of other stuff on top of me- a medical bills. So, um, you know, I'm not saying you know I, I'm I'm not there to crack open your wallet for you, but uh, just you know just j- just understand that it's it's more than just like oh yeah well insurance should cover it. Uh, in many cases, there's a lot of things that it doesn't. So that's just something to think about. But anyway, uh, I want you to come away from this episode with a positive, uh, a positive attitude, and uh, just you know understand that your your day might be bad, uh, but it may not be uh, uh, as bad as 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 it could be. Hopefully. So anyway, uh, that's that's really all I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna you know harp on today. That's about it. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Chris Siegel. Perfect. There we go. Yeah, it should say recording there. Uh, yes, I got it. Yep. Recording is started. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for being flexible on the hours here. I had to, oh, I had to bribe my I had to bribe my kid with like, hey, um, do, if I do this earlier, we can still have like story time and stuff, but you can have some tablet time. She's like bolted upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's like bribing your kid. I love it. I, I, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough, man. You gotta like, like regulate that stuff, you know, like yeah, nowadays, absolutely. but, uh, um, I don't know if you got kids at all, but, uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. How, how old are they? We have, we have one, he's a boy and he is eight. Oh, okay. My daughter trip. Yeah, my daughter just turned nine like two days ago. So oh, yeah, cool. I, I, you're you're exactly on 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 track with uh, we're on the same with, level. Exactly. So I don't need to explain it to you guys, to you anyway. So um, yeah. So Chris, is it Seekle or Seckle? I don't know how you say it. Seekle. Mike Mike always calls me Seckle. I, I I roll with either. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. If uh, if anybody hasn't heard of you, you want to just kind of give a quick kind of rundown of uh, who you are and. And all that jazz. Uh, sure. My uh, my name's Chris. I'm uh, I'm out of Pennsylvania, northeastern part of the state, and I'm a third of Primitive Pursuit podcast. Uh, I was I was I was going to introduce you as either half or sometimes a third. So I'm glad you said a third. I wasn't sure. <laughs> oh yeah, we st- we still got Aaron. He he's uh, he goes. He doesn't dark. come on that often. No, he's a busy guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. He's, he's always into something. Yeah. Um, so in the northeastern part, so like, are you close enough where you say water or are you still like water? No, I think, uh, I think w- water is more of a New York thing. We're, we're water, um, water. We'll get, we'll come out with Crick and, uh, things like that. But I I'm like just North of, of Scranton Oh, and, okay. or, or if you're from Scranton, it's Scranton. And, Scranton and there's a lot of, a little, uh, you ever been to Pittsburgh and hear, you hear them say yins? Well, no, I've driven by Pittsburgh. Okay, well they, they have times, their own, but, yeah. they have their own dialect like that, and and Scranton has like uh, Hena and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. You, you have no idea what the hell they're saying, but it, it's a Scranton. Hena. What's thing. that? Was that like Hey Now or it's kind of like Ain't It or Isn't It? 
they'll be like, uh, oh, I was out drinking at the bar, ain't I? <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a new one. That's a accent right there. <laughs> The, the the closest to PA is uh, I, I lived in Delaware for a long time, so like Wilmington, right? So like right up oh, yeah. the, the very like like to, top of that. So you know close to close to Philly, close to you know like New Jersey and stuff like that. So I um, work for a company out of there. Oh, did you? Which one? Uh, what were they called TechSolve. TechSolve. Okay. They were like yeah, a, I, uh, or something, but I, I did control work for them. Oh, okay, okay. So is that what you do now? You're like a uh, like like in, in the controls, which is what, like kind of like low voltage yeah, electrician yeah. is well, that kind of uh, on I, a basic level, right? I'm, uh, I'm, I work for a really large company that does building automation. And Got it. so, so like I, I've always been involved with HVAC at, at some level. At one time I was a mechanic for a bunch of years and then, uh, I got into automation in like the gas industry. We were doing, uh, like fully automated water extraction for fracking. Which was oh cool oh you're evil was, evil <laughs> yeah yeah I'm that guy no it was it was cool because we uh, the work I did we never really got on wells much so mm-hmm. we were never near like the nasty stuff yeah uh, everything was pulling water out of creeks or or uh, rivers or or impoundments things like that so it was yeah. cool it was, it was all automated these dudes with trucks would roll in and they punch in a bunch of numbers and it would all fill up automatically through pumps and stuff it was fun it was a really cool job and I was always out in the middle of nowhere. So it was, it was enjoyable. I, I liked it. Yeah. You, you get, you get to see a lot of like a lot, a lot of, con- well, I mean, when I mean country, like not of the country, but like in oh, the country, yeah. you know, out yeah, where, where I think you and I, and most people listening probably prefer yeah, to absolutely. be you know, Dude, in, away, away from people. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the three years I worked for that company, I saw more bears than I've ever seen in my life. It was cool. We were really out in sticks. No kidding. We see a bear like every every other day. We'd see a bear. It was uh like Tioga County and Bradford and uh, Sullivan, which okay. are all like r- very rural. I think Sullivan County's only got one street light in the whole county. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool, man. It's uh they have a really good um, archery festival up there, uh, For- Forksville, I think it is. Okay. And it's fun, man. It's it. We we'd get out almost to Potter where Denton Hill is. So like we we're all over the damn place. It was fun. It was it was a fun three years, but like it got to a point where I originally took that job for some more controls experience, and mm-hmm. towards the end when I was interviewing with the company I work for now, the gas industry in in Pennsylvania kind of took a dive. I think uh, I think uh, it was right around when Obama got elected, and they started getting away from like. Prices, uh, you know, it was it was prices were were down really low because mm-hmm. they had found so much gas in the Marcel Shale, and uh, it basically they were like slowing down um, the 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 extraction to try and drive the price up. So like the work just dried up. So it was really kind of a it was it was fun three years, and then the work kind of dried up, and raise it dried up. I got hired with this company, so it's well, it, yeah, it, cool. Got well, yeah. I was I think the, I got laid off for like a week. And then I got hired at the new job, so it was sweet. It worked out really well. Yeah, that, that's good that you made that transition. I, I made a kind of like a similar, you know, like very quick kind of transition after like 20 years and in, in racing, you know, pretty much uh, you know, right after Thanksgiving. But no, um, done with it. Done with it as of like basically Thanksgiving was uh, was the last of that, you know. And then um, did like UPS, like like uh, the the personal vehicle stuff, you know, for like yeah, a month. Yeah. 
um, in the busy season when you drive around your own car and, you know, play Santa Claus. And then, uh, you know, which was great for pretty much the entire month of uh, like December, it was. And then uh, I just got a completely, totally different job than what I've been doing, you know, uh, for, for the last two decades of my life, which is like literally like nine minutes away from my house. And, uh, you know, I, I basically I make like lotions and soaps and conditioner, hair conditioners and shampoos and, uh, you know, th- th- that kind of stuff. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely different, different than what I was doing. But, you know, I'm not gone half the year. So is it real you know. stinky there? No, it smells. It's the joke is that it smells like you come like you come home from a strip club because it's like shea butter <laughs> and um, coconut oil. It smells really nice in there. I'm telling you, you know. Yeah, um, I, yeah. It's it's all like you know, obviously you know, that kind of consumer products, you know. So you, you no, it smells really good. I used to, I used to do uh, service for a company like that, like they did that kind of stuff, and they were down the Poconos and. Oh man, you come back stinking so bad. It was it was like a weird smell. It was just ugh, I didn't like it. Every time I had to go down no, there, it, it, it's not it's not it's not unpleasant at all. Good, you know. Good. So you, you you smell like either like a strip club or like a Malibu cocktail or something. You know? <laughs> so, a lot awesome. of coconut, a lot of you know fragrancy stuff and. Oh yeah. Uh, so no, yeah, it's it, it worked out well, but uh, yeah, and that's that's um you know big big transition as far as like family life and you know being home a lot and all that stuff and uh you know so yeah i'm, I'm, awesome. I'm pretty i'm pretty happy with that so so but yeah let's let, let's talk back about you now so you sure. um are you, are you originally from uh like the scranton area or or not scranton area but i mean like from from where yeah, you yeah. are now or or yeah actually i uh i i grew up in the town i live in now i only left i i moved away for three years i lived out in uh in Steamboat, Colorado, from '99 to uh, 2002, but the rest of the time I've always been in this little town called Factorville. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know, didn't get didn't get much. I I didn't go to uh, I did like a little bit of college locally, and then I did a uh, uh, like a one year trade school, but I I never went away. I. I guess the the reason I ended up in Steamboat was um, I was kind of like I, I dropped out of my first year of college because I absolutely hated it. I hated college <laughs> and yeah. uh, I didn't know I had no direction. I was like, oh, man, I was like 20 at the time and uh, I was just working in the kitchen and my buddy called me and he's like, oh, you should you should. Uh, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just making pizzas, hanging out. You know, well, why don't you come out and make pizzas and live in Colorado? Mm, OK. All right. Sounds good. So I went out there for a trip over summer, and uh, and I, I moved out there like I, in October. So I basically came home for two months, saved a bunch of money, and left. And uh, I don't know, it lasted about three years, and it was like a ski town, and you hit the salary cap and, and, and realized, okay, I can't really do a whole lot here. And uh, I didn't really know what to do, so I bailed, and I came home. And, uh, what it worked were you doing out, well. out there then for work? Or... Uh, I was washing dishes i was a ski bum i was a total ski okay bum. i was okay. washing dishes i was making pizzas i was delivering pizzas and i was skiing every day i averaged like uh, or snowboarding I, w- I was averaging like 120 days a year it was ridiculous oh, and geez. and that's it i mean like the only reason i lasted three years is because i worked at a restaurant where i could get food because i didn't have any money <laughs> i made enough money to buy my ski pass and pay our rent and that was it. And and buy tons of beer because that's all we did. We just party every night and ski every day. It was it was ridiculous. 
And uh, that kind of life takes a toll on you, I guess. <laughs> but you got to um, do that for at least a little while, right? Oh, and, yeah. And then, I got it you know, yeah, you get it out of you and then you're like, okay, cool. You know, you're happy that you've done it, but you're happy that you don't do it still. Yeah, I, I don't regret a bit of it, but I definitely learned a whole lot of life lessons, I guess. And I kind of realized that what I kind of wanted out of life a little more than what I was getting out of it. Um, it was fun. Uh, the fishing out there was incredible. For some strange reason, I didn't hunt out there the whole time I lived there. And I was a resident. And I would have got really cheap elk tags. But yeah. uh, I dropped the ball on that one. I kind of I got out of hunting for a little while. Like I, I, I started hunting when I was 13, I think was the age in Pennsylvania. You could get your... Uh, your um, what do you call it? Uh, hunter safety education. Mm-hmm. And so I, as soon as I could get it, I got it. And you know, all my buddies would go around, we'd shoot like, you know, we'd do small game hunting and stuff like that. And then rifle season would come along and we'd, we'd hunt deer, but it was never like a, it was never like a, um, it was just something we did, you know? And, uh, I kind of got out of it around the time I was 18 or 19. I was just partying all the time, doing other kinds of stupid stuff and, and whatever you do when you're 19. And, uh, so the whole time I was out in, in steamboat, I didn't really, wasn't really, uh, into hunting. I just wasn't, it just wasn't on the radar, I guess. So, uh, actually it, it, like when I came back, when I moved home, we were, my buddy had a bunch of, uh, beagles. So we rabbit hunted all the time and stuff like that. So I was always hunting, but, uh, there was like just that little gap in maybe like five years where it kind of went away. And then, uh, I don't know where are we going with this. You want me to keep going? Well, on? No, no, yeah. So did you pick it right back up when you when you, when you got back? Yeah. Or, it, uh, it, yeah. So it, like it's something it, it, where I live. It's you know, what are we doing? Oh, let's go kill some rabbits. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, you know, then those those two weeks in November come along. All right, I'll be in a tree stand, freezing my ass off with a rifle in my hand. And uh, you know what? I I I always kind of had a an interest in archery, but I I couldn't afford a bow, and so most of my 20s i would i would rifle hunt or something like that or we go we did a ton of rabbit hunting that was all we did it was so much fun yeah and unfortunately all his dogs are gone have passed since and he never got any more but man there was like six years where we just we rabbit hunted from i don't know was it starting freaking it was like every january february until the end of february i think every 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 chance we got we were rabbit hunting it was fun as hell and uh so I think around, I was about 28 or 29, my brother moved out to Arizona. And when he did, he kind of was like, you know, showed up at my house with a box full of garbage that he didn't want to take with him. He's like, here, here you go. Take all this stuff, you know. And one of the things was a uh, uh, Martin Gonzo Safari, the Ted Nugent signature bow. I mean, it was so outdated then. It was <laughs> it was like four foot axle to axle, you know. Yeah. But it started, I started flinging arrows in my backyard that whole summer. And I, I was like, I always wanted to get an archery and just never did. And it just kind of faded away in the back, whatever. And this thing did it shows come up. with like Ted Nugent, like zebra stripe arrows or was you, it, was it, right, before it, the, it was, uh, he had aluminum. What did he have? He had like game getters or something. And he did, I think he did have some gold tip, uh, the, 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 um, zebra stripe ones. Yeah, <laughs> which is cool. I, I, I side note, I, I run a, an archery range at our sportsman's club, and I found one in the dirt the other day. No shit. So that, that was like a prized possession. I was like, that is, I got to do something with this arrow. It's going to go in like a tree or something. I got to drill it into a tree or something. Yeah, but, yeah. 
but anyway, yeah, I shot that thing all summer long, and I just got stoked on 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 bow, on archery, and I was having so much fun. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna bow hunt this year. This is gonna be sweet. And like two weeks before the season, that thing blew up. It just the, the limbs nuked. I I think uh, I think they kind of just like the cam leaned over a little bit. It was just torqued. It was just old, and, mm-hmm. and it, it exploded. And I took it down to the. Uh, the local shop and i think by this time it's probably like 20 years old you know and the guy just looked at it and laughed so i ended up buying uh like a, a cheaper pse because i was like I- i'm hunting you know I'm, I'm having so much fun and uh i don't think i got anything that first year i i think i shot a doe with the rifle and that was it i don't think i killed anything with the bow i think it was my second year i killed something with with, with the bow and i was just after that I was hooked and it, you know it's just awesome i, I loved it and uh, i hunted I hunted with a compound from the time I was probably like 29 until, well, 2017 was the last year I hunted with a compound, so I don't know how old I was then. Um, but it was about, let me think about this, 17, yeah, I was probably about 38 or something like that. And I shot uh, October 28, 2017, I shot a doe. She came in. And she walked right up the trail, 18 yards away. I drilled her. She spun around. She went down the hill, and she fell over. Her head just dropped, and she was done. I was like, yeah, sweet. Okay, cool. And I'm sitting there, and I got down. I went. I gutted her. And I was like, well, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. I was like, I'm going to sit for another hour or two. So I just left her there, right on the trail. And I I ran back up, and I I got in my tree stand. And seriously, like 5 or 10 minutes later, I see the rack coming. And this is a nice eight pointer and he comes out and he walks right up to her and he starts kicking her like, like pawing her, her <laughs> body and stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh shit, I should have dragged her off or something. But anyway, he, he messed with her for a little bit and, uh, he turned around and started walking back the way he was coming and the way he came. And, and I, I grunted, he spun around and he came up and he walked up the same trail she did. I put an arrow through him and he ran uphill, fell over dead. And it was funny because when I when I got out of my tree stand, I never picked up the first arrow, and both the arrows were like within a foot of each other. They were laying right next to each other. I shot the oh, deer, sure. both deer in the same spot. Yeah. And I mean, it was such an awesome day. But I was just like, I I had been dicking around with a with a a Hoyt Game Master. I traded uh, uh, Matthew's DXT for at one point, and I'd been messing around with it for like three or four years. And that was that was the day where I was like, okay, next year I'm hunting with a recurve. And that was, it was too easy. Not, I don't think it was, it was easy. I mean, that was, but you know how hunting is. It's never that easy. Yeah. You know, I don't turkey hunt. If you, if you turkey hunt, you either you're out of the woods in 20 minutes or you don't see shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I just was like, after that, I was like, I got to try something different. I want, I like to, I always like the, the difficult, I want, I want, I want a challenge. I always want something that's harder that makes things harder. I don't know. It's just, it's something. And I, I think it's probably something that runs with, with most people that shoot these kind of bows and stuff. Or if you fly fish or something like that, you want the more difficult approach. You like the challenge. And so I, I just thought, uh, well, this was awesome. And I've killed a bunch of deer with the compound. I think I want to try recurve. And, uh, boy, that was a shit show. Um, but, um, it, it, it was fun. Yeah, like I, uh, I shot all that summer. I got really decent with it, and I think, uh, 
I think that summer I bought a, a better bow. I think I, I think that was the summer I bought my RER. And that was that was like the summer 2018. Was it? Was it? Oh man, now I gotta think. My brain smoked these days. Um, <laughs> I went. I it was that was the summer that I got diagnosed with cancer because I was I was all fired up to hunt and oh man yeah I had gotten a better bow that summer maybe that that maybe earlier than like March or February I think I got that RER and I was all fired up and then in August they like I got back from ETAR and I was feeling like shit that whole week um it was it was weird um I don't know have you ever have, have you heard this or I mean, should I talk about that? Should I go in? I, 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 I've heard, I heard it back when you were, you know, on the, on the podcast. Yes. Going okay, through so, it or just had gotten through it. But I mean, it, yeah. it's been several years. So yeah, I definitely want to, want you to dive uh, into I'll it. recap it a little bit. So, so yeah. basically, uh, that whole summer of 2018, like it was weird. I would, we'd be hanging out, my wife and I'd be hanging out and I'd get like these like flu like chills on like a Friday night or Saturday night or something like that. And We'd be sitting there and I'd just I'd start shaking on control. It was really weird. And I was like, oh man, I'm getting the flu. This sucks. And then the next day I wake up and I was fine. Hmm. And then like a couple weeks would go by and it would happen again. And I think it happened like three times. And then I went to ETAR. And I think that was my first ETAR. And uh we were I was with Aaron. We were we were drinking at somebody's we were excuse me, sodas at somebody's because you're not allowed to drink there but we we're partying yeah. and i think aaron and i walked back down he went back to his tent and i remember like i had to take a piss and i ran into a porta john and i was shaking so like it, it hit me as soon as I, I was like shaking so bad and i ran back to my tent and i i'd bought a uh oh gosh what are those uh those pullovers that um fred asbell's wife sells. oh yeah yep uh, the Pathfinder. I bought one of those that day and I, I had a pair of sweatpants, a sweatshirt on. I put that on and I had like a 20 degree sleeping bag and I was just in that thing shivering, like shaking. And the in next June. morning I woke up, it's fine. Yeah, June, 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 yeah. what is it? Or July, end of July. Yeah. I was shivering like a SOB and I woke up the next morning, fine, no issues. You know, we went, we shot, we did all kinds of stuff. And I think that was, I think that was Friday or I think it was Saturday night. I think it was, and, and so we, I left, I went home and that, that week, that next week, that Wednesday I was out running and I got like a, I felt like a cramp underneath the side of my ribs, like the right side of my ribs. And I was like, oh, I'm just getting a, a runner's cramp, which is weird. Cause I, I was at the time I was running all the time and I, all right, whatever, you know? And so I think I came home that night, we ate dinner. And as soon as we were done with dinner, I felt like just garbage, like, I don't think I was like flu, like sh I didn't have the chills or anything like that. I just felt like crap. So I was like in bed at 6.30, woke up the next day, went to work. It was fine. No issue. Um, that Thursday, like that, that little pain was still there. And uh, I kind of was just like, yeah, whatever, it's cramp, no big deal. And I, I worked one Thursday and, and same thing right after dinner. I felt like crap again. And then the same thing again with Friday night. I, but the funny thing was like Thursday, Friday, I kept running. I was like, oh, I'm going to run through this, you know. And I think that Sunday we took my mother down to Cabela's in Hamburg. And she, she wanted to go down there. She'd never been down there. So my wife and my son and I and my mom jumped in the car and we go down there. And like on the way down there, I was feeling like crap. 
and then we got there and we ate lunch and I was really feeling like crap. I, I don't, I don't think I ate much and I was just like smiling to get through the day, you know, to keep everybody happy and just like, all right, let's get the hell out of here. Just trying to get through it. And, uh, when we got home, I was telling my wife, I'm like, something's not right. And she's like, you need to go to the hospital tomorrow. Go to your doctor. I was like, okay. So I called my doctor and he's like, go for, a uh, an ultrasound. So I went for an ultrasound on Monday and went back to work. It was, I work at a, I work for, I'm contracted out to some hospitals here. So I, it was no big deal. I walk in, I get my ex or my ultrasound. I go back to work. And the next morning I was working in one of the mechanical rooms and my doctor calls me like himself. And he's like, where are you? Oh, I'm like, Oh, I'm at this hospital. And he's like, you need to go to the ER right now. I'm like, oh, okay. He didn't say why. He's just like, you need to go right now. He's like, right now. I was like, okay. So I went to the ER and I told them, you know, I was sitting there and they, they did all these things. They did, a, I think they did a CT scan. I was in there for like five hours, of course, or whatever it is. And finally a doctor comes in and he goes, okay, you're, you're going to, uh, your appendix needs to come out. It's messed up. I'm like, okay, whatever appendectomy. I was like, he's like, we can do two things. We can pull it out or we can treat it with antibiotics. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know if about it. I was like, I don't know. What do you think? And I, because I, I was kind of like, uh, I want the thing out of me if it's bad, you know. Yeah, I had a friend, I had a friend who had one. He went septic, and it was it was terrible. I was like, so immediately I'm like, I want this thing out of me. And he's like, I'd take it out. I'm like, okay, cool. So 11 o'clock that night, they pulled my appendix out, and uh, it was funny. The next the next morning in the hospital room, I was fine. I was like, let's go for a run. This is great. I feel great. I like everything was gone. I didn't feel like shit anymore, and I went home. And I think I went back to work in like two or three days. Everything was fine. And two weeks later, I went to uh, went for my follow up. I was hoping to get clear to start running and get back into shape or whatever. And uh, I remember I walked into the doctor's office and I'm standing there and they bring me in the back and he's sitting there looking at me. He's like, where's your wife? I was like, what? I mean, she's at work. Why? He's like, you didn't, you didn't bring her with you? I'm like, no, it's a follow up from a friggin. I was like, what the hell? No. He's like, okay, all right, whatever. So he brings me in this room. He sits me down. He goes, uh, so the pathology came back from your, your appendix and uh, you have cancer. And I was like, what? <laughs> I think I dropped a couple F-bombs. I was like, huh, what? Me, what can Cancer? I got to go to the fair tonight. That was, that was, the th we were taking my kid to the fair that night. I was like, that's, that doesn't work for me. But <laughs> How inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, come on, we got to see monster trucks. What, what, cancer? Huh? But uh, he, he kind of explained uh, – I remember him saying adenocarcinoma and some other shit that I just went right through me. I, I had no idea what he was saying. The whole time I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, this is not good. And he's like, don't worry about it. We could probably take care of this with surgery. I think you're okay. And I was like, uh, all right. So I left. So what, so what is that a cancer of? Or I don't know if you're going to get to that so, or not, but what, what so, is that a cancer of? Basically, when they pulled my appendix out, it had um, this stuff they call mucin. And uh, the kind of cancer I had was ad adenocarcinoma with mucin. So the mucin shit is like um, – it's like sticky jello mm -hmm. and it gets everywhere and it's nasty and it's hard to get rid of. Hmm. And um, I, I think it's a low-grade tumor so it grows really low – or slow, excuse me. But um, he was like, uh, oh, I didn't get a whole lot of information because I'm, I'm telling you, I was just like 
my eyes were crossed. Like when somebody yeah. drops that bomb on you, I'm like, I still was, I was, I, I was 40, 30, 39, I think something 40, something like that. And I was like, I'm still invincible. You know, I, I, what are you talking about? Nothing can hurt me. You know, I still had that mentality, you know, when you're, you're young and, and, and this was like the first like kick in the nuts where it's like, Hey, yeah, you're not, you're not really invincible. You know, everybody goes through something. So, um, I went home and I didn't know what to do. My wife was still at work. She was picking our son up and then she was going to come home and meet me. And we we're supposed to go to this County fair to see monster trucks. So I, I went and crab cracked a beer and sat on my porch and just sat there and thought, and like, I, I didn't know what to, you know, I, it's like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what to do. All I knew was like, he said, I got cancer, but it doesn't sound that bad, but I don't know. So I didn't really get a clear picture. So I told my wife when she walked in the door, like, I was like, um, my son went in his room or something. So I made sure he couldn't hear it. And and I was like, I got cancer. And she laughed. She started laughing. She's like, shut up. I'm like, no, I'm serious. He, she said, I got cancer. And she's like, holy shit. And like, because her first reaction was like, I'm, I'm screwing with her because I always mess yeah. with her. And, and yeah. she's used to that. So so when she saw I was serious, she was like, oh, shit. And uh, so we didn't know what to do. We talked about it. I told her what it was. And we packed up and we went to the fair. And we saw monster trucks. And the whole time I walked around just like, all right, we'll see what happens here. So I think, uh, I think after that, they did like a colonoscopy to make sure it wasn't in my colon. Cause I think appendix cancer is like super, super rare. I think it's like a thousand cases in this country a year. And I guess it's common for it to spread to the colon. And when that happens, it's sketchy. Um, I actually have a friend who's fighting that right now and it's, it's not pretty, mm-hmm. but, but, um, so they did the colonoscopy and everything was fine. I was good there. And, and, uh, that was my first bowel prep. And that was, I, I, that was my first of many. And they're absolutely horrendous. I can't look at lemon, lime Gatorade anymore because of them. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, I did that and then they brought me back into his office and then he's like, all right, we're going to do this surgery called a right hemicolectomy where we're going to bring you in. We're going to cut you from sternum down to like three inches below your belly button. And we're going to, take out half your colon and a bunch of your small intestine and we're going to take samples of um what are they called lymph nodes and we're going to do some exploratory stuff and see what's going on there because he's like i we did laparoscopic and i didn't get a good look i was like all right okay sounds good in hindsight and i'm not dogging this guy because i think he was a decent surgeon but when somebody says the word cancer to you, if anybody ever goes through this, as soon as you hear that, go somewhere where they know what they're doing. Like, like specialists go to like, I mean, I should have gone right to Philly or New York city or, or eventually I ended up in Baltimore. But I mean, when it comes to that, I mean, like just go to the pros because we're a small town. These guys don't. And, and as soon so as I they heard basically it, like field dressed you to see what lane like, to kind of pick through and see what was wrong. Is that, I mean, <laughs> basically I, and from what I've read, it's kind of, uh, the, the hemicolectomy is kind of, well, it, it goes hand in hand with an, another surgery that I eventually had. 
So basically when I talk to the specialists, they're like, you should have come to us right away and you should have, we would have done that when we did this other surgery that went through. Mm. So basically they, they took out a bunch of shit and they got like 18 lymph nodes. They found it in one lymph node and they also found a tumor in the back. So they're like, okay, this is worse than we thought. You're stage four and it's in one lymph node. Oh. And I'm like, you know, F, I, and immediately I thought of everybody I know who's ever been a stage four cancer patient died. I don't know anybody, you know, my yeah. buddies, my, one of my best friend's fathers, he, he passed. Um, uh, my stepfather, every, everybody I know, you know, stage four, you're done. It's over. It's game over. I'm like, oh shit. All right. So we walked out of there and, uh, he's like, you got to go for chemo and you need to talk to an oncologist. And I'm like, well, I, immediately, I, I immediately regretted everything. I like every decision I made by listening to this guy, which I mean, like I'm, I'm still not dogging him. I think he was a good, a decent dude. And he had a, he had a good intentions, but he was probably over his head. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I went to my oncologist, but the, the funny thing was about like, flashback a couple weeks my wife was like she'd been reading up on it and i didn't want to know i didn't want to read anything i wanted to know as little as possible and she's like wow there's this surgery that they treat people with appendix cancer called high pack she's like it's a good thing you don't have to go for this it's absolutely horrific and she starts telling me what it is and i'm like oh jesus it's like uh they cut you open they they pull everything out they 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 cauterize any tumors and stuff and then they dump heated chemo right in your guts for 90 oh, minutes and Jesus. these surgeries go for like 10 hours 12 hours 13 hours stuff like that and i'm like jesus who does that that's terrible right so as soon as he tells us this you know you need to go to an oncologist a family friend was like this is the person you want go see this person she's the best one in the, in, in the area so we went and saw her and she was so rad. She was such an awesome lady. And as soon as I walked in and she's like, you need high pack. I was like, man, I kind of figured <laughs> like, that. Oh, geez. She's like, I don't know shit about it. She's like, I, I am not, I am not. Um, she's like, I'll get you the chemo you need and things like that. But she's like, you need to see a specialist. And she's like, I'll, I'll write you the, uh, the referral. I was like, perfect, cool, whatever. And she's like, and, and we need to call this lady because she's not a doctor. But she's been through it, and she's the only person I know that's been through it around here. So they called this woman, and she ended up becoming a, a good friend. But she kind of walked me through everything. And, I mean, through the course of my whole cancer experience, I talked to her a bunch, and she was really, really helpful. And she actually had a, a second high pec, which is insane. Oof. But uh, she was she was in the hospital for 38 days the last time. I was just like, you are the strongest person I know. But um, so anyway uh, – I, I ended up going to see this guy in, in Baltimore, Mercy of Baltimore, and he was like one of the top five doctors for, for appendix cancer and, and, and the surgery. And we got we set everything up, started going through my chemo treatments. He's like, you do three three things of chemo and December or whatever, like 10th or 12th or something like that, we're, ta- we're doing your high pack and you'll be on your couch for a while. So, okay. So we go through everything and I was at work the one day and I'm like, 10 days out from my surgery and his assistant calls me and says, Hey, your surgery's canceled. I was like, why? She's like, your insurance won't cover it. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do for you. What? I'm like, what? She's like, she's like, you're out. And they said, you're out of, we're out of network and your insurance won't cover it. And, and the insurer, my insurance is the same people that my, the, the my doctors that I originally went to work for. 
So I'm just like, I'm getting angry, right? I'm like, oh, I lost it. I was, I was in a mechanical room throwing shit. I was so pissed. I was like, I'm gonna freaking die. All right, this is gonna be great. And uh, so my wife, like, I called her and told her, and, and she immediately, she's just so awesome. She, uh, she went right to work and she found out that Johns Hopkins is in our network and that they they cover everything. So I made an appointment and she had something going she was i think she was actually having a, a, an outpatient surgery that day and couldn't go with me but i went down and i met with this guy and this new doctor who's also a hypex specialist and stuff like that and he immediately like the, the first guy let me let me go back so the first guy i go to in, in in baltimore he's like he pulls out this binder that's like four inches thick and he starts flipping through photos of people that are just inundated with cancer and just like everything's black and gray, and nasty. And he's like this. He, he was, uh, I think he was like Italian, and he had the, the the thickest accent. And he points at the picture. He's like, "This, this is you. You, you have thirty percent chance to seventy percent chance of living." He's like, "You need this surgery." I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right." Not a lot of bedside manner. No, no. And I'm just sitting there shitting myself, going, "Oh, screwed," you know. But he's like, he's got a reputation as one of the best. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'm in good hands. The guy's like 70. I'm like, oh, he's done a thousand of these. I should be all right. So then it gets canceled. And then I go to Baltimore and I walk in there and this doctor, I, I got him all my stuff, all my uh, scans and everything. And I sit down with him and he's just the nicest guy. And he goes, what are your, what are your questions? I was like, well, what's, what's the idea? What do you think? And he's like, I don't think we're doing your surgery right now. He's like, you're going back for three more rounds of chemo. I was like, okay, why? He's like, uh, it's in, it's in your lymph nodes. He's like, and get to other parts of your body. We need to take care of that first. He's like, it's already in your, uh, peritoneal cavity. He's like, it's already there. It's not going anywhere. He's like, mm -hmm. we need to get it. We need to get a jump on this. He's like, then we do. He's like, you hang out with your family over Christmas. And in January we do your surgery. I'm like, okay. I was like, what do you, what do you think? He's like, my only concern is what kind of music do you want to listen to in the OR? And I was like, so you're good here? He's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so I called my, I, he's, I was like, you, you, I made him call my wife. I was like, you, you have to tell her that you're making me go for more chemo because she's going to lose her mind. Because she was like so freaked out already by everything. And now he's postponing the surgery. So it was, it was funny. He called her and, and she was, <laughs> the poor girl, she's getting ready to go in for this little outpatient surgery. And, uh. And he, he drops his bomb on her and she's just like a, a, a mess. I'm a terrible husband for letting him do this. But, uh, so anyway, she's like, okay, whatever. And, and I talked to her afterwards and I was like, I, re I really like this guy. He immediately just kind of, um, made me feel at ease or whatever. So, so anyway, I went back for my three more rounds of, of chemo, which is just terrible. Chemo sucks. It's the worst. I think that like out of the whole experience, I think I would do high pec over again with, if I didn't have to do chemo, I mean, it wow. just was, it was sucked. But, um, end of January, January 23rd, uh, we were, we spent, well, 22nd, we spent the night down in Baltimore. 23rd, I went in the hospital at like four in the morning and passed out. And I didn't remember I was out for, I think my surgery was eight, eight, eight hours or nine hours, something like that. Holy and uh, here's, the, here's the kicker. So my, my poor wife, again, is sitting in the waiting room for eight or nine hours waiting, you know, wondering if it, like lots of people die during the surgery. It's, it's mm -hmm. just it's horrific, whatever. So she's sitting there 
and she's watching all these doctors walk out into the uh, the waiting room, walk up to a family member, tell them how this whatever surgery their family, you know, loved ones going through. And either the people are like, oh, OK, thank God. Or they, they're bawling, crying or it's and so my wife's enduring this all day long. But the Oof. doctors keep coming out and talking to everybody in the waiting room. Right. Well, then after nine hours, this nurse comes over to my wife and she goes, oh, Mrs. Siegel. And she's like, yeah, can you please come with me? Sure. So my wife gets up and she walks my wife into this private room with a table, two chairs and a box of tissues. Oh, and Jesus. She goes, the doctor will be right out. And she closes the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there's like three minutes, I think Jen said, that, that she's just sitting there going, oh, my God, he's dead. Oh, my God. And then my doctor comes in smiling. He's like, it went awesome. went great. She's like, she started crying. He's like, what's what's wrong? She's like, uh, you put me in this room. He's like, oh, I don't like to talk in front of everybody. It's, it's kind of private. You know, and he's like, I didn't I didn't want you to. He's like, everybody else goes out in the waiting room. I like to be private and, and, and keep. And she's like, oh, my God. So so my poor wife, I think she had like four heart attacks in the last, you know, in, the, in that year. She taken the box of tissues out at least, you know, and <laughs> left like a celebratory like box of cookies or beer or oh. something in there instead. Oh, right. <laughs> so the poor girl. But anyway, she got through it. And uh, so I ended up staying in the hospital, I think, for 12 days. I had, I had some complications and they hurt and it sucked. But uh I got through it and they, they, they seriously, Oh God, they caught me from like the very bottom of my sternum all the way down to like right above, you know, the, the, your junk. I mean, it was wow. my buddy and I, my buddy came to visit me and we, we had a nurse go get us a little measuring tape, which they charged me for. <laughs> of course. And we measured it. It was, I think 11 and seven eighths is what we, what the final measurement was, but it was, it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big gap. Um, yeah. But and it was funny. Uh, the first one they did the uh, the hemicolectomy where where they did in, in Scranton, they um, they stapled me. And dude, that uh, staples just suck. They I, uh, maybe two days before I was getting them out, I had my my Klein side cutters and I was cutting them and pulling them out with tweezers because they hurt yeah. so bad. It was bad. Yeah. But uh, the, when I was down at Johns Hopkins, they they put um like this weird tape over the, the incision with a vacuum on it and it like sucked hmm. the, 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 um, the wound closed. And after four days, they're like, okay, you're healed. And they pulled the tape yeah, off. And I see like, better technology. I was like, holy shit. And it was painless. I mean, it was weird, but it was, uh, excuse me. Um, it was painless and it, it more or less, I think, and maybe I was just drugged up on everything, but it didn't hurt nearly as bad as those staples. Those staples sucked so so that was that i was in the hospital for like 12 days and uh there's there's some funny stories because like i mean they hacked out i mean i'd already lost half my colon and i think it was 19 inches of my small intestine they took more stuff out they did all that stuff like they they basically go over your intestines hand over hand and they cut out anything they don't like and they do that for for as long as whatever, and Jeez. and then they dump the heated chemo on you. And uh, so it's the 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 hand over hand stuff is called cytoreductive surgery. And uh, he was like, he was pretty psyched. He's like, I definitely pulled some stuff out of you. He's like, but there wasn't much. You looked pretty good inside. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, 
he they came they you know they visited me every day i had a i had a, a thing called oh hell i forget the name of it but it's, it's basically when your bowel when your bowels don't wake up mm-hmm. they wouldn't let me eat but they let me have ice chips and drink but then like nothing was happening so they cut me off for everything i think i went without water for like three days oh jeez. And, but I was getting fluids through IVs and stuff like that, but I wasn't drinking water. So my mouth was just dry as dry could get. And I was just like, I, 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 all I want is water. And uh, I guess basically what happened was it got so bad that I was getting like backed up, like right in my like chest area where I got like kind of like a gas pain. Oof. And they they had had me on Dilaudid, which I like I had a button and I was pushing that every like 10 minutes or something like that. And that would give me pain meds. But um, I think they had cut me off of it by this point and I was just dying. And it was I think it was just gas pain, but it was like I, it, it got worse and worse and worse throughout the day. And I had this one male nurse and he was the only nurse that if I see him again. I'll fight him. But um, everybody at Johns Hopkins is amazing. This guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> but but uh, he, I, I was telling him, I'm like, I'm, I'm in a ton of pain. And he's like, man, no, you're not. I'm like, no, no, I am. I'm hurting. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to complain. I mean, I, 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 I would rather suffer than, than take meds or whatever. But th- this was killing me. And, uh. He he was like, yeah, no, you're not. I gotta change your IV, and he pulled my IV. I screwed up my IV. He, he was just oh, caused me more pain, and I'm just ready to fight this guy. It was kind of funny. Kick but, him uh, in the nuts. Oh, I wanted to kill him. But anyway, like it, basically by nurse by nurse change, I was laying on the floor crying, and when the, my my nighttime nurse came in, I was like, just fucking knock me out, kill me, do something. I just can't God. do that. And I've never been like that. Like I never thought I'd be like, just you know, I want it to end. I was like, this has got to go. And she did. She, she doped me up with something. The next morning, I woke up. Everything worked, and I was great. It was wonderful. Oh, it was crazy. It was so what weird. a fucking ordeal, man. Oh, Jesus, yeah, it was crazy. But so anyway, after that, like that was it. I, I they they let me out. They were like, okay, you got twelve days in the hospital, and the, uh, we had to stay over one night in a hotel in case something went south, you know? And, uh, it was cool. Cause I finally got real food. I watched this bowl in the hospital and they gave me like garbage. Um, but I actually, uh, my wife got me, uh, crab cakes cause we're in Baltimore, you know, of course. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think I ate like half of one and that was all I could get down, but it was the best thing ever. But, um, so anyway, we made it home and, uh, I was, I was off work for like six months, I think. And just recovering, laying on my couch watching like civil war documentaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched the Ken Burns documentary. It was awesome. But, um, so anyway, yeah, I, I recovered. And, and the, the whole thing was like going through this, I still got out and I hunted. I got out with my bow for like three times. But like when I was going through the first six rounds of chemo, I was getting this stuff called, um, uh, um, Oh God, what is it? Oh shit. Something apathy, cold, cold. I forget. Anyway, basically, you can't drink anything cold. You can't touch anything cold. You can't go outside and get a cold breeze because, like, everything on your body gets like 
like these weird pins and needles. Hmm. It's a terrible feeling, but it's a side effect of the chemo that was on. And uh, so like they dope me up and I do chemo for like four, 48 hours. I think it was. I'd, I'd wear like a little fancy hip pack with a tube that went up into a port Jeez. in my chest. And when they take it off, it would take like four or five days and all the effects would finally wear off. And as soon as they did, if the weather was good, I'd get out and hunt. Yeah. But usually, like, I think I got out like maybe four times and I didn't see shit. It was it was a mess. And, and half the time I was out there, I felt like crap. But I was like, I'm hunting because it was my first year to hunt with the Reeker. That was my, yeah. that was 2018. And I was like, I'm doing this. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I didn't get anything. I think. uh I think my buddy shot another doe and he ended up giving me all the meat and that was my deer meat for the year. Cause I just wasn't after January, I wasn't getting out. Yeah. Um, so I, I recovered and they sent me back for six more rounds of chemo and this was better than the first six, but every time they administered, they do like a, they do like a bag of saline. They do a bag of steroids an anti-nausea and then the chemo. And as soon as the chemo hit my veins, I was throwing up in a bag. And as soon as I threw up, I felt great. It was normal. Everything's fine. And it was no side effects from it. It was great. Um, but so I made it through that. And uh, I think uh, it was – I wrapped it up in like the second week of June. And uh, we went to Maine. The, we go to Maine every every summer. We always try and find a place up there and go, my family and I. And uh, – when we got up there, I, I think it was in Maine, my wife told me that after we, when we went with that first doctor in Baltimore, I walked out of the room with his assistant. She stayed with him, and he looked at her, and he said, your husband has a 30% chance. And, and you didn't know this at the time? She never told me. But yeah. he's, he's told me 30 to 70 Right. Then he drops the bomb on my wife, and she never told me until we got. I think it was in when we were in Maine. We were on vacation when I was done with everything, and they're like, "You are good. You're good to go." Right. And so I was like, "Holy, holy shit! I dodged a bullet. Wow!" It just it just blew my mind because again, I'm like, hey, I associate you know stage four with okay, you're done. It's over. Oh and, man. Now well, what? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, when, that's cool. when? When? Um. So. You know, Mike kind of spearheaded the yes. uh, the kind of like a GoFundMe thing for you too. Is is that after this, during this? I can't remember because I'm I remember contributing to it, but I just can't remember where you so, were in the in the process. That was kind of cool because like I, I I knew Mike and I knew Aaron, but like only from Etar and and then just bullshitting on on social media and stuff like that. Um, but I think Mike texted me one night. I think I might have posted something like a, a, a chemo pick or something and he's like dude what's going on with you and i was like oh man i, I got diagnosed with cancer and he's and, and he, so he immediately called me we talked and and he's like well you know do you need anything i'm like no i'm good we're fine we're you know whatever and he's like all right we're, we're doing something <laughs> yeah, I don't no know what <laughs> whatever i was like that's kind of, that was kind of my whole attitude to the whole thing I was like well like, there's not, not a whole i can do but whatever the doctors tell me to do so i'll just do right. that and uh, so Mike was like, well, we're going to come up. With, we're going to do something. You don't have a choice. I was like, oh, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And he, he and Aaron threw that together. And uh, it was awesome. It was, it was really, really helpful because, uh, man. Because so, bills suck. Dude, every, every time I went for chemo, it was 300 and some dollars. 
and that was my copay. Yeah. Like I, I had decent insurance, but that was my freaking copay. It was three hundred bucks yeah. every time. And they hammer you. Um I don't but that massive surgery, I don't think that cost me a dime. I don't think I I, I paid a thing for that, but it was everything else I got murdered for. Right. But um yeah, so they, they threw that together for me, which was just absolutely amazing. And and uh my my buddy Devin, my my best friend here in Pennsylvania that I've known since before kindergarten he did one here for me too and man if they didn't if those two didn't do that for us my wife and i would be screwed financially we we really would have took a die i mean dude i didn't i didn't work for six months well that's just it you know it's not just uh um, yeah it's it's not just medical bills it's it's all the other shit that you can't pay the stuff you, you know what i mean because yeah. yeah like like jen stayed in a hotel the whole time we were down there yeah, because that's, that's cheap. She had right? to eat, you know. I mean, like, thank God, you know. I, I, we always talk about this. Like, thank God this happened then and not now. I, I we have a friend who's going through. Uh, she's got, um, I forget what it is. I think it's anal cancer or something like that. And and she's been going through this all through COVID. Oh. And and like half the stuff she went to, she couldn't have her husband with her, or you yeah. know, a friend or anything. She by herself. I mean, geez, you know, God, I, I just couldn't imagine going through something like that now. But yeah, so yeah, so so I, I know I left a, I, I missed a bunch of shit. I for, I just, but uh, I, I I made it through that, and uh, it was it was crazy. Cause I I went from like 185 to I think 138. Um, when I came out, I was like such a I I I looked the part, you know. Um. But yeah, we we uh, we had an awesome summer that year, the 2019, and and uh, it was fun as hell. And and after that, you know, obviously you look at things a little differently. Um, so what's the prognosis now? Like I know you you go back. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you get you know. Sorry, I'm putting dishes over here. <laughs> I know you. I, I know you go back like. Uh, well, I don't know. However often it is, but I mean, like, what 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 does that kind of look like? What's your kind of your What's your kind of daily, not daily, but like, what, what's your life like now with it? And then, you know, I mean, you can kind of tie that into hunting or just in life in general, yeah. you know, because obviously life is more than just, you know, hunting, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I don't really it. care which direction you take that, but. It, it's, um, so, so my first year out, I was every three months, we'd have to drive to Baltimore and do a scan and, uh, they would do a CAT scan and blood work to, to, they get a, a tumor <clears> mark. And so you get like a, a CEA blood test. I forget what the CEA stands for, but basically that number's got to stay between I think um, I don't know two and a half and five or something like that. So they check all that stuff, and they did it every three months, and every time it kept coming back perfect. Everything was good, and so they bumped me up to four months the second year, and it all came back good. And so I hit two years in February. It was two years clear clean. And excuse me, they they never tell you. Like I don't think they'll ever tell me I'm in remission or you're cured or something like that. They just right. say, okay, no evidence of disease. That's all it is. And so I hit two years in February, and they they're like, okay, graduate to every six months now. So I go back August, I think it's 26th for my two year six month scan. Okay. And uh, I mean. Man, that that surgery kicks your ass. I mean, it, like, 
in ways I can't describe, my my guts are. I don't know. I I, I always say my, my guts are kind of ruined, but uh, like whatever. I'm I'm standing. I get to hang right. out. You know, yeah. we were throwing football tonight. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so so I, I always I, I don't even I don't even think about it. I don't complain about it. I I got to watch what I eat. Sometimes I, I lost a lot of organs. I don't have a gallbladder anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I'm missing a, a good deal of things inside. But but health wise, I mean, you know, I feel good. I, I for the most part. Um, I lately I I don't know if it's it's the chemo or whatever, but I am having like horrendous memory issues. Um, or, or I'll stumble over words. I'll say one word instead of another word. It's really hmm. weird. But uh, it's either that or it's the over 40 thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll blame it on the chemo. It sounds a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. well, what's my excuse then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Man. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, like, I, I feel great. So I'm, I'm rolling with it. And, uh, and man, uh, everything looks so much better. Every sunrise is so much better, you know. Everything, like my my priorities in life have really, really changed. I guess, like you know, the things I thought were important before. I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, yeah, I mean, because because I I you know, like I said, I, I listen to you guys, and so I I was kind of listening, you know, I guess before and during all this, right? Yeah. Um, and I I, I kind of get the same sense which is one of the reasons like i wanted to get to look when, before we started recording right I, we were talking a little bit and i'm like hey you know i kind of like quote unquote know you because you listen to people but i don't really know yeah, you yeah. You know what i mean so i, I wanted to just kind of get into to, to you know to all this however deep you wanted you know sure. um i mean we're not even really talking about hunting and that's fine you know because i don't want to keep you on the phone like too late anyway and i gotta <laughs> i gotta read to my daughter still later but you know this is this is the kind of the meat i kind of that i wanted to get to with like with you because you're you're kind of like I, I've never really heard you complain. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of like, you know, like in, in closed doors and in, you know family or whatever. I'm, I'm there's there's a lot of pain there. I get it. it's got to be, but you don't ever kind of project that, you know. I I, I don't. So think, that's good I don't think my see. wife or I ever have. Yeah. I really we yeah. just kind of put our heads down and did it, both of us. And and I I. I I look more at her and I'm like, how'd you deal with that? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially when I was like on the couch, like, like I feel like shit from chemo and stuff. And I'm just sitting there and I don't think I was ever like really miserable or anything, but I just obviously was hurting. I couldn't, I don't think I could ever sit and watch her hurt that way. You know what I mean? I could do it. I, I it's fine. With me, I, but... I told, I totally hear you. I, 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 I'm sure it's different for, yeah, dude, that would watching break a me. loved one versus like you, you know what I mean? Because of, of, you know, the pain that you, you kind of putting someone through, or you think you're putting someone through, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm not speaking like I've actually been, ever been through this thing, you know, thank goodness, knock on wood kind of thing. But, um, you know, it's just, man, it just sucks. Um, you know, and we hear it through just in the archery community, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of Paul Helms kind of went through it. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was a hard feeling, like really, really hard. And man, it's just, you know, and he's just, he's just gutted over it. You know what I mean? It's just really, 
I can't just, you know, you can only say, you know, thoughts and prayers so much, but I mean, like, yeah, just any, you know, any, any of these kind of like kind of GoFundMes and fundraiser things. I mean, like just, just, just do it. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Just whatever you can, because like we just talked about, here's those little bills, you know, that just add up and the lack of work and it adds up and the travel expenses and the hotels and it adds up, I'm sure. So, yes. Yeah, I, I, that is, that is one thing now, like, like every time I see something, I, uh, I actually, uh, th- thanks Paul Helm. Cause I, I won a uh, Tolkien super D from Trevor over that one. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, but Trevor did, he put up a, a super D for, uh, I didn't even know there was a bow involved. I just knew he was doing a, a GoFundMe for Paul. So I, I put some money towards it Yeah. and, uh, I was, I went to shoot one night at our, our local indoor shoot and my buddy's like, you won the super D. Like, what are you talking about? I think I remember this. <laughs> and he's like, you won Paul Helm's, the Paul Helm thing. I was like, there's a bow involved? He's like, yeah. Like, Holy shit. All right, cool. Do they call that serendipity? Is it, would that be my term know, for that? Or would that? Would that just be irony or something? But I don't know what it was, but I was psyched. That's one of my favorite bows. <laughs> I love it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's something that I might maybe not would have thought too much about before. And now every time I see something, there was, I don't know who there was. There was a guy just recently that, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rob, um, from, from Stickbow mm-hmm. was posting about maybe like, was it three months ago? There's a guy going through cancer. I think he's cancer. Yep. I don't know. Whatever it was, I threw money towards it. I was like, it, and just the little bit helps. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's definitely uh part of our. That's the best, and, and that's the best about like the the trad guys. I mean, man, people we they they're just everybody's so awesome. You know, you go anywhere, any form or anything. Everybody's trying to help each other. It's such a rad spot. Yeah, I I, I really like that. So, um, all right, we're going over an hour here, but uh, yeah. I wanted to um, like we don't have to get in like the typical like hey, what do you what kind of movie shooting and all that stuff. But what is your uh, what's what's your kind of outlook uh, hunting wise? What's the let's think of brighter things here. So sure. what's your uh, what's coming up here? We're we're in the in, in the heat of summer here, which is absolutely most, most disgusting time of the year for me. But uh, what 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 do we what's what's on your horizon here this year? Well, uh, ho- hopefully match what I did last year. I, I shot I shot my first uh, last year. I shot my first deer with with a, a, a trad a trad bow. Yep. And he turned out to be a really nice buck. So hopefully I can do that again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I shoot I shoot all the time. I shoot every day, all the time. And yeah, ditto. Man, I just can't get enough of it. I mean, like most people, we're we're all addicted or whatever. But. Uh, it, it was funny when I went through all the, the cancer stuff, one of my buddies gave me like 16 pound limbs so I could shoot through it. So like two weeks out of my surgery, I was able to shoot still. And it, that kept me sane. But that's part of my, like, you know, every day I come home, I shoot uh, and just practice, 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 practice. It's, I don't even think of it as practice. It's more, you know, that's it. I, I, I don't, I don't hunt out of state. Um, I'll get probably about two or three tags and it's always one antlered, two antlerless. And that's, that's my, uh, white tail season. So no, no major plans, no going anywhere or anything like that. Not yet. Not, just not enjoying to, life. Just, that's it, man. As much as I can. As soon as my son's old enough, we're going for elk. But, uh, until then I, th- th- that was kind of cool. Turkey season. I, uh, I took him out for the first time and, it was awesome. We didn't. We had one day where we heard birds, and that was it. 
but like watching him like before i could even wake him up he was dressed and coming out of his bedroom at 4 a.m let's go hunting i'm like holy shit awesome (laughs) you know and i mean he didn't even care that we saw anything he asked me this morning can we go hunting i was like oh nothing's in season he's like you sure yeah i'm like yeah nothing's in season right now we can go fishing (laughs) he's like "Ah, i really want to go hunting I was like, oh, thank God, this is gonna be a fun, fun fall. So, that's awesome. so that that's my those are my big plans right now for this fall. Is um, it, on on top of shooting and stuff, I, I want to get him out with the rifle some more because they have some mentored. Um, I think it's like one one Saturday, maybe two Saturdays or something like that. They have mentored youth mm-hmm. days. So, my goal is to have him get a deer. And and that that's my only goal for this year. Uh, I'd, I'd awesome. love I'd love to stick another one. I mean, man, that was last year was awesome. It was so fun. But uh, and oh, dude, on top of that, man, the, the stuff I saw last year. I had a bobcat at eight yards who just hung out with me for a while. That was really cool. Really? Yeah, I got some great video and, and pictures of, of him or her or whatever it was. It got to a point where like like. 15 minutes went by i was like all right you gotta go now you're starting to creep me out but uh he was just staring at me and he just did not care that i was there it was so cool it was it was a really cool experience but um i don't know man that that's it i um i'm, I'm going to etar i can't wait for that ski tar whatever we're calling it this year that's yeah. always a hoot are you going to that or no no you know what I, I i never make it to any of these shoots i don't even make it to like the local like like 3d shoots and stuff which i really want to go to yeah um but i i certainly don't go to any of like the big get-togethers and stuff which i would love to but like i work weekends now which is sometimes it's like a great oh, uh, yeah. like you know like the um the, the shifts that i'm on now i work right now i work friday saturday sunday and yeah. i work three 12 hour well, 12 and a half hour days and to pay you for 40 you know, so oh, that's cool, it's, though. A, it's can... a pretty sweet deal. Then you get four yeah. days off to do, you know, whatever you can go in overtime or you can go, uh, you know, do whatever, whatever else. So right now it's just, I, I'm in the mode right now of like trying to catch up for the last, uh, I don't know. Well, my daughter's like nine, like, you know what I mean? But, you know, I've been kind of traveling like half the year for the last 20 years, you know what I mean? So I'm just trying to spend as much time, you know, just knowing that I've missed a lot, you know? for, for yeah. so many years. So, yeah. uh, there's no other extra, you know, cause, cause I'm, I, I I'm always the kind like, Hey, I want to start another business or, Hey, I want to go do this or oh, power wash decks, make some extra money. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, but this, this year is, this has been like, you know, we're just, they're just re reestablishing cameras home all the time. <laughs> yes. My wife you know, was used to me being gone a lot too. So it's been an adjustment for like everybody, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm home again. <laughs> yeah every that's, day that's awesome i'm here man. what that's are we doing good. that's <laughs> so, one thing like i, I don't work yeah. overtime anymore if i don't have to i i, I just want to right. go home you know that it's yeah. kind of funny no. but yeah so we're just we're just going to do that and then you know it's and it's always a battle come uh come hunting season for you know time away yep. but you know we'll we'll see we'll see when that when that comes we're just kind of you know taking it it's like you taking it one day at a time and just kind of enjoying everything so yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's yeah. uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get him back out again. He's just gonna be, man. It was just it was neat to see him during turkey season and 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 how how excited he got. I was just that 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 made my day, made my year. So yeah, so yeah, that'll be it's, fun. It's, I mean, it's a little one. He's young, so he he'll only go out. I think there's only a couple mentored youth days, 
so I'll still get my days in my tree stand. And it, it's when he gets older that things change for me, I think, that uh, I'll be a, a full-time guide at that point in my life. <laughs> so I still got like one or two more years. I can maybe stick a couple more deer before the, before yeah. that happens. But um, there you go. Yeah, man, that's it. Uh, just, I, you know, whatever. I'm looking forward to – I'm actually uh, – I spent the day packing. We're going, we're going back to Maine tomorrow. So I, I can't wait for that. I'm looking forward oh, cool. to yeah, a little road trip tomorrow. Awesome. And, and that's it. Etar and uh and uh I haven't really got anything planned for the summer other than that. Maybe some a lot of fishing. A lot of fishing so, and a plan for plan for the fall. Yes. Well, any uh in, in, anything else anything else in closing like we kinda didn't touch on you wanna tell everybody or you know, no, man. That's... follow you or you know, primitive um, pursuit and all that stuff. And, yeah, we, I mean uh, everything's primitive pursuit. Uh we We've been kind of slow lately. I know Mike's got a lot going on, and uh, I'm just, you know, whatever. So we'll, we'll get more out sooner or later. Um, I'm uh, one of I'm on Instagram under um, Endless Mountain Archery, I think it is, because I live in the Endless Mountains. Yep. Yeah, so I think that, so. That works. But, uh, yeah, that's it, man. I'm on Facebook, too, under Chris Siegel, I think. But, yeah, man. That's about well, it. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really have a plan for how, how this conversation was going to go. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad it went the way it did. You know, it doesn't always have to like I said, techie stuff and, and you know, what bull you shooting and, you know, what's your FOC kind of thing. Um, it just kind of underscores like, hey, there's there's more important shit out there. And archery is a part of it, you know, yeah. our lives. But it's not it's not it's certainly it's not everything. But um, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad our conversation went went the way it did. So um okay well listen tell you what why don't you hang on uh hang on a line with me here and then you know kind of uh wrap up so uh Absolutely. everybody um go check out chris go check out your know, primitive pursuit I, I guarantee you if you listen to this podcast you're listening to those podcasts all the other ones but um you know good bunch of guys and i'm really glad i got to meet you and uh i guess uh what do we say like share subscribe all that stuff leave a rating you guys know what to do so and with that thanks for listening thank you so much